0: I know our. Now I don't want this. This is not going to be political, but I got to mention this. Uh, our president got voted in, talking about change, change you can count on or believe in or something. I don't know. But how many of you would really, 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 really like a change in your life? I mean, you you are not happy, you're not satisfied, you're not content with where you're at, but you really want a change in your life. We're fixing to find out. See, change is a process that begins with a person's mind. And one reason people don't change is because they're afraid they can't change. But every person has the power within them to change. All we do is we ask God to give us a strong desire to want to change, and He will. Amen. We ask God to give us a strong desire to want to change, and He will. I know when when uh, Diane and I began going to church back in 1974, that I remembered those days. I, I can remember back when I was just tired of my life. I was tired of it. I was tired of being in want. I was tired of being defeated. I was tired of failing at practically everything that I did. And I was looking for a better way of living. I wanted a better life. I wanted to be able to do better for her, for the children. And I wanted a better life. I wanted change in my life and not knowing that I had the ability to bring that change about see most of the time when people are of that frame of mind they're they're wanting someone to to do it for them and then place them in it you know they they, they if this door would open then then this would change my life or if I could get a new job if I could get a a, a new home or get a, get this or get that, then I could, you know, this would affect the change that I need in my life so that I could be successful. But if we don't have a strong desire for change, we will never change. You go, I, I've, I've heard the stories and I've seen practically some of this happen in people's lives that, that they say you can go into the ghetto and and you can take a family out of the ghetto and put them in a, in a nice neighborhood. But before long, where they live will look like where they come from. Because that did not affect the change in their life that they needed. That did not, they, you, can take a, you, can, you can take a hillbilly and put him, in, put him in the city and he'll never change from being a hillbilly. He'll always be that way unless he decides and has a strong desire to change from what he is to what he wants to be and a lot of people don't want to be anything else there a lot of people don't don't want to have to change they just want everything around them to change they like for you to change they want uh, other people to change. I have people that, you know, that are in church. They come in and they want everything to change around them. But well, you in the wrong church. <laughs> it won't happen that way. You have to change and adapt to the environment that you're in. So change is not easy, but it is possible. See, in order for you to have this change, you must change your mind, change your ideas, and change your attitude. Look in at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, that which is your reasonable service. All right, when you do that, this is what's going to happen. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't conform, don't. Don't be the way the world is, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So so we we get into the place of committing ourselves to God and then being uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind. So what did he say? We must align our thinking with God's Word. We must align what, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah that God's ways are higher than our ways. That God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They're not our thoughts. They're higher than our thoughts. Well, that was true, and that is true in every aspect of the way. But today, we can know what God's thoughts are. How? By reading the book. He's got it written down right here. This is the way God thinks. God wants good for you, not bad. He wants you to succeed and not fail. God wants to bless you and not curse you. God wants you to have all the things that you desire in your life. But you have to align your thinking with God's Word. See that we draw a line right there a lot of times because, because people... Don't want to think the way God thinks. And if you, don't, if you don't think that's true, I can just give you a couple of little silly instances here that will show you. See, people, people will, will accuse God of making them sick. Yeah, that's right. And God doesn't make people sick. Yeah. The Word of God says, By His stripes you were healed. So therefore, God didn't give you the disease that you got, but God is the healer of that disease that you got. But most people will think God gave it to me. And most people think that they are doing what God wants them to do. Very few people are doing that. Very few people do what God wants them to do. Well, I know this, if God wanted me to do it, well then He'd make me do it. God can't make you do anything. If He could make you do something, He'd make you pay your tithes. He'd make you come to church on Sunday. Amen? He, he, he'd make you uh, uh, wake up in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made and I, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Instead, most of you wake up, slap the clock, off the table to make it shut up and say, I wish to blankety-blank that clock would quit and I wouldn't have to get up and I hate that job I'm going to. Now, I have not been at your house. I just know things. Amen. See, we have to align our thinking with God's Word. People think it's God's will that they be poor and broke and don't have any money. That's not God's will, that's the opposite. How could we do God's work if we had no money? So the more money we got, the more work we can do. And we should do. We need to make small changes and begin to develop your confidence in your ability to change. You have to develop your confidence in your ability to change. There are some things that you can do that you don't know you can do. And once you begin and once you start out and once you begin to, to try to change and then change begins to come, the more confidence you've got in being able to accomplish that in your life. Listen, folks, you can become anything you want to become. You can do whatever you want to do. Some of you say, well, I'm too old. Well, how old are you going to be if you don't do it? Amen. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too, excuse this, I know this don't fit anybody here. You're not too dumb. You have enough, all of us have enough brains, whichever side you use, the right one or the left one, but you have enough to do it. You can learn anything you desire to learn and put your mind to you have the power to change yourself. See, what we do, we submit to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and He will help you change. We realize that you cannot change other people. Focus on changing yourself. And most people spend their time trying to change somebody else. Yeah. Old girl, go down to the nightclub, get her a husband and come home, marry him, say, now don't go back to the nightclub. Yeah. You, you got him when he couldn't see but three of you. <laughs> Later on, he didn't need all that to see. Th- no, okay. <laughs> Y'all slow. You come along. You come along. Amen. You, don't, you can't change people, but you can change yourself. Amen. And you need to focus on that. See, we must have a desire to change. See, Jesus met a man. Look in John chapter 5. St. John chapter 5. Now, sir, I've counseled a lot of people. And uh, I've always... I've always been of this this persuasion that if one person is saved and the other person is not saved, well then that's a, that's a that's a sign that says, No, I don't marry you. Amen. Well that's what the Bible says. He says if you're unequally yoked, and that's unequally yoked, being saved and not saved. That's the unequally yoke. Hadn't got anything to do with anything else. That one saved Love Jesus Christ, the other one don't. Well, when that happens, when, when two people get married like that, the one that's saved is always thinking they're going to get the other one saved. Yeah. They're going to bring the other one in and they're going to get saved and then our marriage is just going to be tiptoeing through the tulips and everything is going to be wonderful. Well, I want to tell you, you, you won't get them saved, they'll get you unsaved. Because yeah. the Bible says that that sin will rub off on you quicker than your holiness will rub off on them, and and so so when we are trying to change them, we are walking in the wrong place. Amen. We can only change ourselves. Right. See, when when uh, my wife and I got married, uh, the preacher uh, told his her mother that and grandmother, that we wouldn't stay married a year because I was unsaved. Now, she was supposed to be saved, but she was out there with me doing some stuff she shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> we go to Honky Hall. <laughs> and we... We do it, boy. Hey, Amen. They put on that music. We, we, we danced and we sweat. And... uh then then she married me. Well, you know, th- yeah, I think she liked that. Y'all, now listen, she's over there. She's not going to get no tape of this message. Y'all <laughs> don't be going to tell her nothing. <laughs> I think she liked it. I think she liked dancing. And ain't nothing wrong with dancing. I, me and her still dance. But we just choose different places to do it. Mm-hmm. I got I got the music, yeah. I got I got them old platters. Mm-hmm. Only you can touch my heart. Yeah, boy, I can get her close, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whisper in her ear. Yeah, I love you. She said, I love you too. I see y'all later. I'm going over there right now. <laughs> but that's what you know. But anyway, let me get on my sermon here. Y'all be wanting to go home. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, I think she likes some of that. And, you know, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. That that you can enjoy sin. There's things out there to enjoy. But it, it, it won't stay that way. It will only bring corruption in your life. It will bring heartache and, and things in your life. Well, anyway, when when... Uh, she decided that she'd had enough. After about 10 years, she decided she'd had enough. She knew she needed to be back in church. And so she decided and made the decision that she was going to church. And she left me at the house and went. And I was fishing, matter of fact, the morning she went to church and got, got saved. And she come home and told me about it. She said, I just want you to know that I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to serve God. I thought that was great. I said, She ain't going to be fussing at me no more. She ain't going to be hollering at me no more. She ain't going to be beating me up no more. She's all this kind of stuff. You know, I thought things, you know, looking great. And she'd leave me on the couch and go on into, I'd be there sleeping watching Matt Dillon or something. And, and uh, she, she'd go on to church and never said a word to me, never grumbled, never complained to me about it at all. And, and, uh, but she made a decision to change herself not to change me. She knew that it was up to me that I had to change. And the conviction of living with her in that state is what brought me to a better place because I began to see a different person that she wanted something better. She desired something better for the children. She wanted something better for life. And I knew that in order for me to do that, then I had to change the way I was living in order to do that. And then on and on, some more things happened, but that was the main thing she had changed. But okay, over in John chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus here has gone into... A place called Bethesda, and what that was was a pool. It was a pool of water, and at that pool of water, the Bible says there was four, five porches. There, there was a porch here, one here, one here, and one here, so on. But anyway, at a certain time of the year, that what they would do, they would bring in as many sick people as they could, and put them there daily. And they would leave them there because at a certain time of the year, an angel would come and he would stir that water. He'd trouble it, the Bible said, trouble the water. And the first person in that pool, when that, trouble, when that troubled water began to turn, would be healed. One person. Jesus comes into the, to the place there and he asked this guy They had been laying there for 38 years, He had an infirmity. And he asked him, he said, do you want to be made well? Do you want, what do you think his response would be? Yes, Yes, quick, right now, I want to be made well. But instead he told Jesus, I can't get into the water. I have no man, I have nobody here that can put me and lay me into the water. And Jesus said uh, said to him, simply arise, take up your bed, and walk. And the Bible says immediately the man was made whole. Well, Jesus met this person there for the purpose of healing him. And in this story that, that I said to you, that, that if he got into water, he would be healed. But the greatest change often comes or occurs in the midst of trouble. The greatest change often occurs in the midst of trouble. Unrest. Unrest and turbulence. But if we're going to have a better future, we must step out into troubled water. But most people shy away from things that are difficult. They shy away from things that are troubled. I had this guy I worked with one time. T.G., you'll remember him. And he couldn't read. He couldn't read anything. He was he was married, and, but he couldn't read. He, and we would send him somewhere. He'd have to give the people... When he got close to a a person's place that he was going, he'd have to give somebody the paper, the invoice, and let them read the invoice and say, do you know where this place is at? But he never could say the name of the place because he couldn't read it. And so his wife decided that she was going to teach him how to read. And so she got some books on a first grade level, see Dick run and Jane ran too and all this kind of stuff. And she was going to start him out and read it. And he said, this is the most stupidest thing I ever heard. Spot has, a dog has spot. Jane is running. Jack is chasing her. Whatever else is going on. He said, I, he threw the books out. I, I would not give my time to that. And this day, now eventually she left him. Because, because he would not the change would not come he would not arise with her he would, not, he would not You know, try to do better he wanted to stay in that same old dumb state that ain't dumb that stupid state that he was in yeah. so eventually she left him but today the boy is a drug addict and, and he just lives from pillar to post and, and he has nothing has nothing because he refused to change his life. And sometimes we need to change the things that we've become accustomed to. Amen. We change things that we become accustomed to. The Bible says in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, even before you pray, you have to have a desire. Amen. He says whatsoever a person would desire in their heart, when you pray, God would give that to you. Man, what a scripture that we have there that we would desire. If we desire to, to change our life, well, then God will give us the desire to change it and the ability to change it. Even before we pray, God can't move until we really want change. God can't do anything for us unless we really want that done for us. See, see it's, it does you no good to, to say I want something and then not make any effort to get it. Go for it. Do what's necessary. I've used this illustration. People would say, man, I'd give anything if I could play that piano. No, you wouldn't. You tell story. <laughs> That's better than calling you a liar, isn't it? Because if you wanted to play it, you'd go take lessons. But see, what you want is to be able to come up here without any effort, any practicing, any lessons, and sit down and play the piano. Well, they can't nobody do that. You say, oh yeah, somebody plays by ear. He may play by ear, but he had to practice to learn how to play by ear. What little bit I do, I do by ear. I didn't get it overnight. I could hear it, but I couldn't get it to come out. It takes time. Somebody had to show me something. Somebody had to show me how to make a C chord, how to make an L, how to make a G. I had to find out how to do that. Then I had to find out how to change from one to the other. You can't stay in one chord. When you play, and you got to change. And you got to change when the singer changed or when the music changed. If you don't change, it messes everything up. Then if you change to the wrong chord, you really messed up. It takes time. If you want to do it, you have to, you have to uh, really desire and want to change. Your desire will then become your motivation for life. How bad do you want to change? Amen. You can become whatever you want to become. You can have whatever you desire in your life. Oh, I want to be a millionaire. Well, then you have to start doing what it takes to be a millionaire. You've got to desire change like you desire to breathe. See, there are three reasons why people don't desire to change. I'm going to give you this and go home. Y'all can do what you want to, with it. Three reasons why people don't desire to change. Number one, fear that they can't change. They're afraid that they can't change. I used to tell my wife, I can't be a Christian. She'd say, oh yes you can. I'd say, no I can't. I can't live a Christian life. And the reason was, I was trying to live a Christian's life without being a Christian. I was trying to be good. I was trying to to, to quit doing things and I couldn't quit doing them. Because I wouldn't. You know why a person lies? Well, listen to me. You know why a person sins? Because they're a sinner. You know why a person is a Christian? Because they love God. And they quit one thing to do another. They quit sinning to be another. You say, how can I quit sinning? With the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You can overcome that. See, if you're afraid, change won't happen because you won't initiate the process. You're afraid that it won't happen It's because you won't initiate the process of change. You have to initiate the process. You know that you have the power to change. Second Timothy, we've been using this scripture all along. God's not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and power and sound mind. Amen. He's given you the ability to change, the ability to do whatever you desire in your life. See, they perceive the need for change as an admission to weakness. People perceive the need to change as an admission of weakness. They, like I'm doing something wrong. Well, I'm not doing anything wrong. See, we used to, we used to go out and visit people and, and we had a, uh, a seminar up in uh, Montgomery, somewhere up there. and We went and, and it was to win souls. And so when we got through on a Saturday afternoon, they sent us all out into the neighborhoods to win souls. And we'd come up to these senior citizens, people, and 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 they, a couple of them, we'd go in, sit down, talk with them, and we'd ask them about getting saved. And they'll say, we'll ask them if they ever been saved, and they'll say, no, uh, they hadn't never made a confession of Christ. And then we'd try to get them to, and they would say, but we hadn't done anything wrong. See, haven't done a thing wrong. I've been good. But see, it's an admission that I don't need to change. I'm good just like I am. But no matter how good you are, no matter how wonderful you are, you still need Jesus Christ. Amen. See, the thing is that when you were born and and you got little Cohen back there, my little great-grandson. and I loved him and he come to see me yesterday and blessed me. And... Uh, He's born a sinner. That's the way he was born into this world. Now he's not accountable for any of those sins until he's able to understand it right from wrong. Up to then mama gonna have to be accountable. Daddy, they the ones gonna be accountable for his sins until he's able to know the right from wrong. And then he'll be he'll have to make the decision if He wants to change His life or not. And we have to make the decision if we want to change our life. No matter how we feel, if we've never accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are sinner. We have to accept Him. See, it takes a strong person to look at themselves and admit they need to change. Look at yourself and admit that you need Jesus Christ in your life. Well, I knew some people and they were nothing but hypocrites. Well, I probably knew them too. But I do everything I can do not to be one of them. You know where hypocrites are going? To the same place that people who don't accept Christ. They'll live eternally together. And if they keep you away from Jesus, you'll spend eternity with them and not with God. See, people don't want to unsettle things in their lives. They don't want to unsettle. They don't want to to ruffle themselves. See, sometimes you have to stir things up in order to initiate change in your life. Don't live a life of mediocrity because you're unwilling to change. Don't accept mediocrity when you can change and be something else. See, sometimes it will look like things are getting worse before they get better. I said look like. Sometimes it, it seems like in the midst of that change over there that you've made a mistake. But you haven't. It's a warfare to break down the powers of darkness off your life. And when those things you want to change seem to be getting worse, then you know you're headed for a breakthrough. It's going to happen. Goodness is going to take over. And you'll overcome. I remember back in the 80s we'd lost our job. The place we worked closed down and we lost our job. And back in the 80s there weren't any jobs around. We looked, I looked. And I just started a, a church up in Holly Hills and we were building the churches, a whole mission church. And, and of course, you know, they couldn't pay any money because there wasn't any money. All the money had to go to start the minister. And uh, so I would just pray. I would just pray and seek God. Say, See, I thought I'd done made a big mistake. I, this is a bad time. I shouldn't have started this church. This is a bad time. to go up there and tell all them people to go home and go somewhere else. And I'll go find me a job somewhere. And, you know, I won't hurt anybody. And I was embarrassed because we didn't have any money, didn't have anything, just bought a new house. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, it, it, looked, it, looked, it looked bad. So I did the only thing I knew to do. Now, I, I looked for a job. I couldn't find one. I'd go in my bedroom, and I wouldn't come out until God heard what I had to say. I told him. I said, God, I look for a job. I haven't got one. If you know where one's at, I'll go, I'll go look. I said, but right now i got to have my needs met. You know, for six months that went on. We never was late with any payments whatsoever. We kept all of our house. We kept our house. We kept our cars. We kept our utilities. They never turned my utilities off of any of them. We kept all those because fighting that good fight of faith in that bedroom, praying and seeking God for what His will is in my life. And that's when the big change overcame. That was my first church I pastored. And, you know, I was already doubting I could do it. But God God intervened, and we built the church debt free, and all of my needs were met. I made a better living that six months than I did when I was working. I'd go home, I'd have money in my pocket. That's a good feeling. I'd pull out and say, well the light bill's this much and I'd lay it over here, the house payments this much, the insurance this much, gotta have groceries, it was always there. Amen. 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 And none of the people admitted to putting anything in my pocket. And I kind of got to watching them. And I couldn't catch them doing it. <laughs> Amen? But it ended up in my pocket. You say, oh, that's... Yeah, I heard heard Jimmy Swaggart. says when I watched him. And uh, he told a story about Al Trotter. And Al Trotter's written millions of books and, well, hundreds and all on prayer. He's a prayer warrior. And he went down into the darkest part of Africa, uh, a little old village, and I forget the name of it. God had told him to go. And he got on the plane, went down, and... Uh, he went down there and, and his main effort there was to see those natives and people, teach them the Word of God, get them saved, get them baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they would be preachers and then they would go out and he would go back and train them and they would go out and preach. Anyway, they were walking one night in the darkest part of, of, the, of the woods there and uh, they didn't couldn't see and... Of course, you could hear the lions growling because they eat at nighttime, And, uh, you know, you see some white meat out there, they might really like that. And uh, he said he stepped on a stick and uh, said he reached down and picked up that stick. It was about six foot long. it's about yay big round. He said he thought well, this would be a good weapon. If, if something happens, then i have something to fight off these animals with. Instead, said he took that, and, and when they began to walk, he held it like this, and he said that light at that stick became a flashlight. I mean, it was still a stick, but it would shine a light out just like a flashlight to show them their way. And he said that when they come to a crossroads, if they took the wrong direction, the light would go off. And then when they would turn and get back on course, the light would come back on. Say, so I can look at some of y'all now. No, y'all don't believe it. But but that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the angels of God do in a person's life. And he said right now today, they said today, they got that stick in that village in a glass case. Oh, wow. They've kept it all these years. It don't, it don't shine no more because there's no need for it to, you know. Holy Spirit doesn't give miracles just to show things off, but it comes in a great need. I I, I heard the story of the, the, the missionary that was running down through through the bush and these cannibals were after him. They were cannibals, they were gonna eat him. I mean, you know, I had a lot of things after me, but I ain't had nobody after me gonna eat me, you know. And 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 he was running and he came to this great river and and he just said, Well, it's over with. Because crocodiles or the them, you know. Either way, they're going to get me. And uh, so he said he just knelt down, began to pray, and was going to offer his spirit up to God and all that. And said all of a sudden he opened his eyes and said he was on the other side. Hmm? He said, I don't believe it. I bet he believed it. Amen. Amen. I bet he, I bet he enjoyed that transformation there that took place in the life. But see, God works miracles. The only problem is with us today is believing. Yes, that's right. Because, you know, we, we'll always come up with some, some guy that did a hoax and we'll let that be in our mind and, and that'll stop us from receiving anything else God that's has right. got. Well, listen to me. The devil is not an originator of anything. He's not a creator of anything. What he does is takes what God has created and twists it. That's why they call him the wicked one, because he twists. That's why, you know, you see wicker furniture? It's twisted. That's what makes it wicker. Well, he's, he twists. He's wicked. And so anything that God does, he tries to imitate it and twist it to get you off track from believing that that's what God does. Now, God still works miracles today. The Holy Spirit works miracles today. He's he's ready. It's up to you. He's ready. He he said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, ask and you shall receive. Well, brother, I just don't understand. I've been praying for, for months and I haven't gotten my miracle. Believe. Believe. Don't beg. Believe. Ask God and believe. Amen. Well I, I just thought, well, I didn't see nothing. Ask God and believe. Amen. Amen. Just keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Don't back down. That's right. Don't let the devil cheat you out of it and take away your desire and take away what you want to change and take away from your life. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. That's what he does. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life overflowing. Amen. Abundantly. Overflowing life. I want to give it to you. And get out of this condemnation state that you're in. Quit condemning yourself. But Bishop, I I sin. Well, well, you're amongst good people. They did too. (laughs) Get over it. Quit letting condemnation rule your life. You're a child of God. Quit allowing the devil to steal everything you've got through condemnation and accusation. Give your life to him. Amen. Amen. All right. Bow your heads, please. Father God, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for your grace. I give you praise and glory. God, there is no other besides you. And I honor you today. And I thank you for our people that are here. I pray that they have heard the word of God And the Word of God is being manifested in their life right now in Jesus' name.